And good morning, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baggers, and I'm joined with a special guest this morning, Al Light from Cirque du Soleil. Al, thanks so much for joining me. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Tell us a little bit, uh, if you would, about what you do and, and how you got there in the first place. Sure. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Um, it is, uh, I, I, I have been with Cirque du Soleil now. Well, it'll be 10 years this October uh, as a coach. And I was never a performer with Cirque du Soleil, although I was a circus performer uh, before I got here. Um, it's been a wild journey for me to actually uh, get uh, into Cirque du Soleil and into the circus in general. I didn't start off planning on being in this. It was sort of a, mm -hmm. as opportunities um, came about, I just took advantage of those. So I actually started at Florida State University in the circus program. I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, got my uh, both my degrees actually from Florida State. So I um, started off, and and that's a great program at Florida State. Teaches you a lot of basics and a lot of you get a good some good foundational skills. And um, as I I left uh, graduated, um, I ended up in Reno, and that's where. I'll, I'll give you the nutshell version. I, I got mentored by a, a another circus. Uh, professional. He was uh, a world record holding flying trapeze artist and he needed a catcher. So that's how I, I um, got introduced to the professional world of circus and started doing a lot of gigs and, and things like that. Then um, I ended up was going to take a tr contract with Ringling Brothers and they had some financial woes and um, my contract kind of got lost, canceled before I really got to start there. So I ended up going back to graduate school at Florida State and I got a master's in sport management. And um, from there, I uh, actually went to Illinois State University, which is the only other big uh, university circus program in the country. And I was the director there for about six and a half years. Uh, Cirque had approached me uh, uh, to be a coach for a show called Mystere, and uh, I flew out to Las Vegas. Didn't get the job, but they said, "Listen, uh, you're on our short list. The next one that comes up, I think you know." I said, I said "Okay." I thought they were being very kind because I was really young looking at the time too. I was probably uh, maybe thirty at the time, and um, a little bit older, maybe thirty-two, thirty-three, but. Uh, they were like, okay, yeah, thanks. And I said, all right. And then I ended up taking a position at Florida State uh, as an associate director of the circus. And kind of out of the blue, they called me again and said, hey, listen, you really were on our short list. <laughs> Would you still consider uh, being a candidate for Cirque du Soleil? And I said, uh, of course. So I uh, interviewed for that position, and I ended up getting it as a head coach of acrobatics for the show Ka. And then from there, uh, uh, I was a head coach, or have been the position of head coach, but they've kind of changed the position. It used to be for one show, and now it's for multiple shows. Okay. So in general, I've worked for Ka, uh, Michael Jackson's MJ1, uh, Zumanity, The Beatles Love Show, and O. Okay. The only one, ironically, the only one I haven't 
work for is Mystere, which I was what I initially <laughs> interviewed for, but ended Maybe up one day. doing all the other ones. Maybe one day. It's all uh, good. When you talk about being a coach, well, what does that actually mean? What is your job description, your roles and responsibilities? It's, um, it is complicated. Uh, because yes, we, we teach and oversee the trainings and integrations of artists into the shows. And we have a quite a wide variety of artists and disciplines that come into our show. And, and especially when you have the resonance shows. So we have a touring division, which is the ones you see in the tents or the arenas. And then we have resonance shows. Resonance shows are part of a bigger property. So all of ours are attached to casinos out here. Uh, Disney is another example of a resident show. And a resident show affords you to be in one place so you can really design the theater and make things very customized and unique. And that's the case in both uh, in all our theaters out here, but really in O and Ka spring to mind because they are very dynamic uh, work environments. So you did a, a real specific uh, profile of artists that you want and then you have to sort of train skills that really are only uh, viable or you know they're they're only they're the skills are very specific to the theater so uh, we come up with a lot of protocols and a lot of ways to integrate people and then that's that's the coaching part of it but then there's protocols and safety then there's workload management so we make sure we have uh we, we we don't have an off season in in contrary to uh a sports uh scenario you have a you know you, you want to condition your athletes in periodization right so you you want to let's say the postseason is where you want them to peak physically right you can program them and they're going to be in top shape when they for for the regionals or you know whatever you're, you're going for and uh, we, we have 476 shows a year. So really, we're almost doing the opposite. We're intentionally sort of plateauing our artists. And so just kind we of have, keeping them consistent? Yeah, well, consistent and slowly increasing their capacity because what okay. we'd like to do is be able to increase their physical output uh, to a certain to a, to a set amount so where we can plateau them at like 85 percent of what their real capacity is so that if they run into a circumstance where they need to really uh you know pull on some reserves they have them there you know we're not just uh getting by on a, on a bare margin and we want to have some room to play and and when you have a cast also uh in 70 476 shows you're gonna have people that are sick or their kids get sick or you know something happens so that means the workload will be variable for some of these guys and we want to make sure they can handle an extra spike in workload for a little bit and then we can we can pull them back or maybe have someone else come in and, and fill that so there's 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 that uh, and then there's the show component in the sense that we are working a lot with our artistic directors and uh, and and choreographers and things of that nature, so that we can um, facilitate what their vision is, you know. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes uh, we get 
an opportunity to creatively put in our our uh, our ideas and that's a real fun and rewarding thing too so it's it goes back and forth so there's 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 a little bit of show creation there's a little bit of uh, uh, well there's a lot of creativity there's a lot of assessing and trying to find strengths and weaknesses of these individuals and how they fit into the larger picture and then there's the operational side of just process improvement and uh keeping the show going like all the time yeah so when we when we talk about athleticism in our Mm -hmm. uh, artistic skills Mm -hmm. you you obviously do a lot of training you when you recruit or interview or train people are you really looking for people who are athletic to train to become artists or are you looking for artists and then train up their athleticism uh, the answer is yes to both. Um, we find a majority of our, our of our performers are actually from the sports world. Okay. So uh, we have uh, uh, gymnasts, trampolinists, divers uh, make up a large majority of like our mm-hmm. um, our cast. But uh, we also have, like in the sense for Ka, we have martial artists, mm. we have parkour or free runners, you know, mm. we have, uh, uh, then, then, then you can specialize actually into more specific disciplines. So the more specific the discipline is, the more specific their background is. So we'll have circus artists that will do the aerial straps and the, and, and the wheel of death. Those kinds of things are, are specific circus disciplines so uh when we're casting we of course have a needs assessment of what's going on with our show what we need and then um we'll cast by various means we usually well we have a casting department so we put a request into them they'll solicit videos or they'll know people and then it's kind of a you know show game that way we get um, if possible, we, I always try to have a live audition to meet the person and see how they are in person. And then, uh, if we go forward with that person, then we come up with an integration plan on how to get them into the show quickly, but as safely as possible. And that can, that's all dependent also on that person and the scenarios that we're going over. So if you have, you, you talked about kind of having an act. I'm, I'm going to call them athletes. Um, yeah, yeah, athletes. Uh, you know, they're, they're performing a large number of shows over the course of a year, and you're trying to maintain mm-hmm. that, that, that stability. How often would they be expected to perform over the course of that year? Because you said there's no off-season. So or is it once a day? Is it once every other oh, day? It's, it's, it's usually it's, for the resident shows, it's twice a day for wow. five days. So they're doing 10 shows a week. Wow. Um, so how how do you fit in training and improvement? I mean, you talked about that fifteen percent of them mm-hmm. getting better. When? Well, our shows typically start at seven p.m. and there's one at nine thirty. Okay. So we back up the day a little bit, and our trainings can start. It depends on the show, of course, too. But as early as noon, sometimes for for let's say at O, I work at O. O is a water show. Mm-hmm. So we have a 1.5 million gallon pool that is also the stage. So we have 
um, things going on there all the time. So we have high divers, synchronized swimmers, uh, an act called Russian Swing, which uh, is a pendulum device that shoots people about 40 feet in the air, and then they do high dives. And um, and so uh, because the of the nature of the, the stage, timing, it's really hard. We got to set things up. It takes time. We have technicians all over the place that have to be scheduled and work with. So... Uh, and we have pool maintenance and all kinds of other stuff that's going on. So we sometimes will start as early as 1230 in the in the afternoon. And there'll be like a high diving session or something like that. And then maybe between there, there'll be some synchronized swimming sessions. And then after that, we'll get into uh, Russian swing. And then there'll be a trapeze number towards the end. And, uh, and then that all changes based on the needs of the trainings as well, because uh, sometimes we'll just have what we call work lights on and they'll just be like regular lights and um, we'll do our practice, we'll do swimming, we'll do whatever we need to do. And then uh, as we get closer to maybe integrating a specific role, we will also uh, have show conditions. So that requires more technicians that are and that means that has to be scheduled a little bit closer to the show. So we have all the technicians that run the shows and the show cues. So they go into show lights. We have all the props where they need to be. Sometimes the artists are in um, costume. So we have a wardrobe there. Um, and then we just keep rolling. And so that, that means, though, that juggles our schedule. So then maybe something that was typically would go at 2 o'clock would have to go closer, like at 4.30. And then and then we keep going. So there's there's a daily routine that's never routine. You know, it's it's kind of an idea. The idea, I guess, is that you do your training before you do your performance, but your training may not be what you're going to be performing that evening. That's correct. Okay. And 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 also uh, we also have like workouts and conditioning and things like that too. So that's different than our training on stage. And sometimes we'll have trainings off stage in our training rooms uh, and that's uh, that's also calculated kind of into the workload but you know we have to juggle that in there so we have strength and conditioning coaches that we work with and we have performance medicine staff that we work with as well so uh, we coordinate all of that to make sure that artists are needs are getting met and we're putting out what we can the, the, the best that we can now, if I'm an, if I'm a, oh, and by the way, if you're watching and have a question for, for Al, do post it in your chat box and, and we'll get it to him. But w when we talk about a professional athlete, they'll, they'll typically come to a, a club or a team, sign a three-year contract, a five-year contract, one-year contract. How does it work for performers? Is, is that the kind of the same thing or is it a, a fluid situation? Uh, how does it's it work? It's it's pretty close to the same thing. Um, we have temporary and uh, annual contracts. And okay. so say someone goes out, they, uh, you know, uh, they're going to be out for a little bit. They pulled a, a muscle. They're going to have a knee surgery or something like that. They could be out for a while. We would get a temporary artist that we could inter integrate in. And then uh, so their, their contract could be six months. Um, six or nine months, whatever, uh, based on the needs. 
And then we also have on calls. So we'll have people that are trained up, but aren't in the show all the time. And they're sort of like a, a substitute that we can pull in on a, and then we have our regular contracted people. And those are typically a, a year contract. Okay. So, so what happens then if, you know, let's say I'm a performer, I've signed a year contract, you know, two weeks into my, my contract, I, you know, break an ankle. I'm out mm-hmm. for, for several months. Is 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 it a case of I, I have or Cirque has staff that as you talked about medicine wise that can, can work with me to get me rehabbed? Or is it a okay, now you're done, come back when you're healthy? How does that work? No, no, actually we have a really good performance medicine group. And um they're uh typically they're athletic trainers and and, and that. Some, some of them are athletic trainers and physical therapists. But uh, so what we would do, um, you know, unfortunately, Tim, you busted your ankle. Here's the, here's the plan. As you're released from the doctor, uh, we'll put together a plan of rehab to strengthen your ankle. And then what I do as a head coach now is uh, say you're going to be one of our high divers. Uh, I actually have a an artist coach who's a performer and a coach in charge of high diving. That's his actual specialty. Mm-hmm. So as a head coach, I would coordinate with him, coordinate with our head of uh, performance medicine for our show. And then we would uh, bring in also our strength and conditioning person. And we'd say, okay, well, uh, Tim, yeah, uh, p- performance medicine is going to work with you on, on lower extremity uh, things to get your flexibility back to get your strength and stability back in your ankle but while you're doing that you still have your upper body that's fine so we're going to put you on an uh an upper extremity strength and conditioning program with our strength coach here and then we'll monitor your progress and let's say it's going to take you four weeks to get back and then we've uh we're going to give ourselves a two-week window to reintroduce you into the show so then what we'll do then is we'll start scheduling trainings so that you'll you'll get you know back into the show and there's a there's levels of it, of uh, per- performance in the show as well so there's things called cues which are um any kind of pass pass on the stage sometimes you're a supporting role and you're just a background image as something else is going on so we will introduce you into the cues first we'll have schedule trainings on your high dive uh, in regular show conditions. And then as you're getting closer and all these uh, goals are merging at one timeline, then uh, we'll schedule show condition runs and then put you in the show. So it's a very systematic, sorry to interrupt. It's a very systematic way of kind of Mm -hmm. dealing with the rehab as opposed to kind of alienating that person because they're no longer relevant. And, and I, I'm, the reason I'm addressing this is because a lot of, not a lot, but sometimes in sports teams that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. Injury, not important to me. We've got three deep. I'm just pulling the next person in. Sounds like you have a very systematic way of, of ensuring that person stays part of the team. Yeah. And actually that, that's, uh, that is essential. We have video sessions. We also have uh, we, we encourage them to come in and watch trainings and stuff like that too, because yeah, a lot of the camaraderie, uh, well, okay, we're in performance. So this is where we are differing a little bit from athleticism or sports in the sense that 
Um, we have a lot of uh, critical moments in our shows. And when you're catching somebody or uh, you're about to do a skill, yes, that's a critical moment. But I prefer not to have those moments be like, oh, my gosh, do or die. Like, this is yeah. the this is the last uh, pass in the gymnastics run in, in the Olympics. You know, we're, we don't need that kind of mental pressure. We want to be consistent and have fun because we're, we're performing. We want the artists to enjoy themselves. That's going to transfer into enjoyment for our, our audience, right? So uh, being a part of that and having fun and, and having a sense of uh, taking it seriously but not taking yourself too seriously, it's a good mix. And, and having artists who are uh, injured come in, watch the trainings. Those trainings are where a lot of the fun things happen. You know, uh, relationships are built, jokes you know, all kinds of things go on. And that's where the team really starts to to gel. So yeah, you don't want, I don't want as a coach, someone feeling alienated because um, because they're left out, you know, and then they have to reassimilate into the group dynamics. It doesn't always happen because yeah, of course, if you're, you're uh, you know, laid up with a busted ankle, yeah, you're not going to be in every training or you're not going right. to come into any training and watch all that stuff. But as you're getting closer to your integration, yes, that's all going to start to take place. You know? um, <clears throat> we also have, uh, as part of our, uh, our model, we're, we actually use an athlete-centered model. Uh, and we call it an artist-centered model, but it's the same thing where it really our responsibility is to make that as best an experience for that artist going through. And we're peripheral to that. Yeah. Coaching is, is on the outside, performance medicine, artistic direction. We're all there to support this artist as they go through um, the processes of getting into the cert. And so part of that, actually, also we have uh, sports psychology and uh, nutritionists and stuff. Okay. Those are other resources, too, where they if they find themselves, you know, if you're lacking confidence and you think you're going to re-injure your ankle for whatever reason, then we can talk about that and we can set things up. You know, we, you and I as coach artists can talk about it, but then if there's something that's probably going beyond my scope right. of what I can handle, I identify right. that and then I pull in a specialist for that. So we have um, uh, a lot of resources actually, and that's been really, really good. And it's been a great learning experience for me actually as a, as a head coach, because as I came from smaller programs, uh, and 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 I have a little bit more of a traditional circus background, you're kind of, you kind of get used to doing everything, yeah. right? So when I was at Illinois State, I'll just say, oh, you know, I was sure I was the head coach, but I was also like the head rigger, the company manager, the guy who did marketing, I had to sweat ticket sales, I had to do all that stuff. Where here, um, you are you're a head coach yes you'll coach a lot of the times i don't do the nuts and bolts coaching of flips or twists as much as ensuring uh i can facilitate what's happening to get the best results you know whether that is talking with the artist coach who's going to be in charge of the nuts and bolts stuff coordinating with uh performance medicine uh getting feedback from artistic direction of what we'd like to go for also working with PR, uh, public relations and advertising because we do special events or we'll do something else to promote the show off-site. So we'll do a lot of that stuff. 
So let me, sorry, if I, if I can yeah. kind of, as in your role as a coach, then what are some of the challenges that you experience personally with, mm-hmm. with just the job that you have of, as you said, facilitation, overseeing things, making big decisions sometimes? Uh, well, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's a challenge that happens with all, uh, high performance coaches. If I lump myself into that group, uh, it, it, and that's time, you know, we're always investing a lot of time into our shows time. And that's time away from family. That's time, you know, uh, you know, so, so, uh, and we're always, uh, I say we're always, I feel uh, that the biggest challenge, yeah, it, it's it's time and it always seems to be compressed, you know, whereas there's, there's, even though we have shows that go on and on and on and on, 476 um, uh, shows a year or whatever, and even more than that in the case of O, because we're, we're doing shows every day at O now, we've, we've changed our model to go five, from five days a week to seven days a week, that's a whole other thing, but uh, it, it just takes a lot of time commitment, you know, so it's very easy to get completely um, engulfed in this, uh, yeah. in this job. So a challenge for me is to extricate myself a little bit and make time, personal time for myself and, and manage that, you know, um, that's a challenge. Uh, the, the other challenges are, uh, you know, they're challenges, but they're not like extraordinary challenges. They're just, it's the same, I'm sure everyone faces, but you know, we have a really diverse group of people. We work with 25 or so different nationalities. Um, So we have uh, cultural differences. Um, Language can be an issue, but most of them speak English and we provide English classes. Um, Sometimes it will, it's funny because language can be an issue um in the sense of humor or or not getting a joke or you know some, some sarcasm yeah yeah exactly so uh you you become pretty aware of those things when you speak to somebody because you know uh or a sarcasm that doesn't quite translate like oh yeah you know i i i can come up with a couple of examples of where people you know came up short on a on a trick or something like that. And I was like, well, come on, man. You know, that was, you got to keep this job or something like that. And they were like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. You know? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just, I, that was kidding. You know, <laughs> and you don't, yeah. you don't, um, you know, when, when sometimes English is their, not just their second language, but their third or fourth language. Mm-hmm. Cause we have some really diverse group of, of people from all over the place. And, um, so, you know, you have to be pretty mindful of that or, really it's the mindful sometimes it's an artist to an artist that there's a miscommunication there so uh that's been a challenge but it's something i've i actually really enjoyed is to sort of understand communication to the sense that we can even though we don't always speak each other's languages we can make sure we're all communicating on the same level because if you have a miscommunication at 30 feet that could be pretty bad you know and, uh, and so that's pretty much, uh, that, that's another level of communication too, because then there's, there's the nonverbal communication that really happens between teammates, flyers and catchers. And, uh, and, and then 
once that happens, you know you've done a good job because people start talking less and less and less, and they just do stuff, and then they realize they've they're off a little bit, and they make adjustments, and no one even really knows it. You talk about it afterwards, and you say, "Wow, how did that? How'd you do that?" Well, I don't know, but we just and then you know that's when you've got a team working well because they make their corrections, they figure it out, they talk about it later, and they they just kind of go through it and uh, and. That's that's what I really actually love about the circus and working with partner acrobatics and stuff because you start off with this, I don't know you, and you have to explain everything. Are you ready? You ready? Yeah, sure, we're ready. And then it kind of narrows down to just doing things seamlessly. And uh, it uh, it takes different time for different people, but it really teaches you about being partners and teaches you about uh, the other person. And yeah, it's really cool. You, you mentioned, um, and I want to be sensitive of your time, so uh, we'll wrap it up here soon, but you mentioned time being a big issue for you mm-hmm. and, and kind of juggling the, the family with, with the job. And, and you're in a position where your job doesn't have an off season. It goes week after week after week. What are, what are some of the strategies you've used to mitigate stress and, and ensure that you do have time for your family? <laughs> Or do you? <laughs> I'm still working on those mitigating stress part, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, let's see. You know, uh, I, I do have to say delegation in, in learning to let go a little bit, like mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, you can get so wrapped up. But I like. Uh, I like autonomy and the people that I work with and I have a, a really good group of people that we work with. So there's also a lot of trust in what we do here. And uh, once you build that trust, you know, you can trust people to do stuff and you, you can allow them to go out and do things on their own. And if they make a mistake or something like that, we just talk about it and we figure that out and we go on and, and, and process, you know, improve that process moving forward. Um, so it's not really uh, so I guess I, I as I've grown into this position at first the first couple of years I felt like I really you know had to be involved in every single minute now I feel that I can step back we can let processes you know happen and we do have a good vacation package at, at Cirque du Soleil so I get to do uh, take vacations and stuff like that so um, uh, when I do uh, sometimes I just, I, I actually have to say, uh, Hey, listen, I am not available from this time to this time. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, or I, a lot of it is with email and stuff too. I, I kind of, um, flirt to manage and, and manage people's expectations of me. Like, listen, if you want to get a hold of me, like something's on fire, call me the next level. If it's urgent, but not really super urgent and, you know, text me. And if it's something that we can handle in the course of a regular day to day, email it to me and I'll, and I'll get to it. Usually that's my set, my, my default settings and, you know, and, and then as you step into <laughs> the day, then you'll realize there's a lot of other, uh, you know, little fires that you got to put out, you know, so-and-so's not here. This person went on a vacation but then they didn't get their visa to come back in time. So they're going to be two weeks late and that's what we're going to do. And then we just start to, you know, we shift. 
but pretty much everything, um, you know, when we have a, like I said, we have a really good team and I like, uh, being a part of building those teams too. And I say teams, uh, this time, I mean, like with all our coaches, um, cause I'm a head coach. I have two other full-time coaches at O another full-time coach at Zumanity. And then we have like 15 artist coaches at wow. O <laughs> and, um, and then I have an artist coach at Zumanity. Then we're talking about uh, five therapists at O, another two or three at Zumanity, and then you know. So there's a there's a big group of people, and and you just build a great team with them, and you start to work on it, and then we we just work through it, and no one really loses their mind, you know. When when no one's panicking, or you know, <laughs> then that's good. We can all keep keep calm. All right, we'll figure it out. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. And then things just kind of work out. So I guess that's that helps alleviate the stress. You know, sometimes if you have a couple people on the team that are already uh, wound up and they just pop off all the time, that raises everyone's stress. So we have a good calm people that, you know, handle their business. And then, you know, if something comes up that is unforeseen, then all right, we handle that and we move around. Most of the people... Uh, actually, I'd say almost all our people are solution-based people too. They come with a problem and they go, hey, listen, here's the deal, but I think we can do A, B, or C. And then that starts the conversation already. You know, So it, it's very rare when we get into a, a position and someone just goes, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, you, you always, we, you know, our, our, our teams are really good in the sense that, okay, here's the problem. Who's got a solution? We can talk about it. Another thing I've learned to do is um, realize that I'm not an expert in everything, right? Um, uh, and I have a lot of really good experts in the room. So why try and solve a problem myself when I know there's a resource that I can go to and say, hey, what do you think about it? Because, I mean, I was a circus uh, guy. I was a trapeze artist. I'm not a diver. <laughs> I'm not a... a world-class gymnast but i i work with people who went to the olympics you know like so they're experts in the room i can mine things uh from their knowledge and then apply them to things like that so that's that's been a big skill for me sorry i'm trying to <laughs> that's that. all right um thing and um and that's been a big skill for me to to learn and and it's a really nice universal skill actually because you realize that you have all these resources at your disposal. So sometimes I'm not the one that has to solve the problem. I have to find the guy who can solve that problem, you know, or answer that question. And, uh, and that's been a good skill for me to develop. And it's also, it, it's how we, we work at Cirque, you know, because uh, we have fire experts, you know, who grows up being a fire expert? No one, but so you talk to your fire expert and then with them, you design the plan on how to integrate the next guy who's going to be setting mm -hmm. himself on fire for three minutes because that's what we do, at, you know, and that, that comes with a lot of procedures and a lot of protocols and a lot of uh, steps that can't be missed. So you really have to pay attention and question in a sense that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you're not overlooking anything. And also not in a threatening nature. I know you know what you're talking about, but have you thought about this? Okay, great. And then we work through that kind of thing.
weeks. So all of that combined kind of lowers your stress and what could be on the surface, really, really high stress mm. job. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a reason we're, we're talking to, to people such as yourselves because we don't know any, everything and we mm-hmm. can learn from different areas and, and, and different avenues. And so I really appreciate you taking the time. If somebody does have a question, they want to reach out to you. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, have them shoot me an email at al.light at com, And uh, yeah, that'd be cool. And uh, yeah, shoot me an email, come out and see a show and uh, we'll, we'll talk. Well, Al, thank you so much for, for joining me today and, and for sharing your knowledge. Just a reminder, if, you, if you're watching tomorrow, we have Jennifer Hyde coming up. She's the head coach of women's tennis at Florida State. I'm looking forward to that one. And quite a, a, a group next week. Donnie Jones is the head coach of men's basketball at Stetson. He'll be joining us Monday. On Tuesday, professional Nashville Predators athlete Rocco Grimaldi will be joining us. And then Jay Hernandez, assistant coach for the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday. Cheryl Kirk will be joining us from USA Racquetball to talk about her job as the national team leader. And we round out the day on Friday with Sergio. I'm going to mess up his name. We'll just say Sergio um, until I find out how to pronounce his name. Assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors and also the head coach for the Spanish national team. Uh, my, my thanks again, Al. I really appreciate you joining me today. All right. Thank you for having me. It's been great.